Welcome back to Payday, the first podcast for global payroll professionals. I'm your host, David Barak. Let's pick up part two of our discussion with Kelly Roussein from the Hackett Group. And it kind of brings me to my next point, the the pace of change that the payroll organization is accustomed to, right? The, the stereotype out there, and this isn't true of all organizations, we've seen some really agile payroll operations uh, in multinational companies. What do you think about the speed of change that payroll is accustomed to? And is that pace of change, that adoption of change, sustainable considering some of your findings? So historically, I would say payroll is always reluctant to change. And that was because any minor change has a big impact on pay. There's a lot of testing, there's a lot of cost. Um, I was really happy to see that through this pandemic, the payroll organizations really stepped up and they were able to do payroll changes on a more agile pace than they had ever done before. I'm not sure that that's sustainable over the long term. Mm -hmm. Um, They need to take a look at their internal processes, get their policies standard, um, because as these changes continue to happen or are being required to happen, they need to really understand their end-to-end processes and not automate bad processes or not implement additional bad processes. So we're, we're expected to make these very quick decisions, but they need to be the right decisions. So we're telling people to really take that step back and take a look at your end-to-end strategy and make sure you have the right strategy in place. Now, that's really interesting. Now, one of the things you mentioned to me offline is that compliance alone can't make a business case. And I thought that was a really powerful statement, right? Because compliance is so important to the payroll function. Uh, and it's often, you know, lack of compliance or some kind of misstep in compliance that gets the payroll department noticed, right? Um, so considering how important compliance is to companies today, why do you feel like that alone isn't enough to drive change in the payroll organization? Yeah, compliance is important, right? And it's it's table stakes. The expectation is, is that we're processing payroll on a week-to-week, month-to-month basis without error. We take a look at accuracy rates and, you know, they're in the 99th percentile. So when you've got a scorecard out there and you're showing that you're highly compliant and you're not paying penalties, then the question becomes, so why should I invest? Well, payroll has, you know, a reasonable cost. The cost to implement can be high, but then also take a look at the technology enablement. And so when we take a look at creating a business strategy or business case to bring into a new payroll system, we want to consider not just the compliance risk or risk mitigation, right? Because if you haven't had any penalties, it's really hard to sell that you're not going to have those in the future. We say, take a look at the automation, economies of scale, the different types of analytics. Analytics can typically make the business case for you. When you start taking a look at the productivity reporting and the different metrics that you can create for overtime, you know, you can predict overtime. You can create dashboards to eliminate overtime. Mm-hmm. You can evaluate countries who's, you know, who's doing better and why are they doing better? How do you increase revenue by having the right staff at the right time? 
And so that's where we're seeing the business case being made to consolidate payroll systems versus we have a compliance risk. If compliance isn't going to be enough and you've got to build a business case around all of these other items you're mentioning, how do you see your the Hackett Group and yourself helping organizations build a case for payroll transformation that has compliance as one of the key tenants, but certainly not the only one? Where, where do you start? What do you think gets the most momentum? What do you think gets the most compelling business case and, and gets adoption um, and interest from other members of the organization? So one of the things we do with all of our members and anybody we work with through our transformation projects is complete a payroll performance study. And we really take a look at the end-to-end payroll process. Mm-hmm. Um, and it includes cost. But cost is not the only factor we take a look at. We look at efficiency and effectiveness from quality, compliance, innovation, all these different pieces. And we compare against other organizations. And so we're able to build a business case saying, okay, here are some of the analytics that you could enhance. Here's where you could bring in some additional innovation to increase your employee engagement scores. And those are all things that would become the beginning of their payroll strategy, but would also help them to build the business case and their roadmap. And is that something that you're seeing more organizations starting to engage with now? Or do you think that right now we're just kind of managing the crisis, making sure we're not having any new issues come up? And do you sort of see a huge wave of change initiatives coming in once things are back to normal? So I would say up until about August, it was, let's stabilize. And then we started to see questions come up about how do we do the automation? How do we do the analytics? How do we increase our strategy? Not sure that companies are ready to yet invest, but there is a lot of conversation on what are the next steps as we go into 2021, because they know this is going to continue. And it is putting a huge strain on teams. And, you know, to your point earlier, can we stay at this pace of change? A lot of teams are worried Mm -hmm. because... Can we continue into Q1 of next year making compliance changes every other week or every other day for that matter? Right. In some regions. It's scary. It's very scary. And, um, and how is kind of the nature of what a payroll person is expected to do? How do you think that's going to change? So, how we work is going to be very different. So, I think I said earlier, that payroll teams never worked in a virtual environment. And for the most part, payroll leaders didn't think it could be done in a virtual environment. Mm -hmm. Teams are going to get even more virtual. And we're going to start seeing that even though you may have a regional team, someone might sit in France, someone might sit in the UK, right? Could be very different in how we look at global business services or shared service environment. What we do will be more digital than ever before. And anything that's being done on paper or being done as a manual process is going to be looked at very carefully to automate because there's a very high likelihood of those those tasks being missed. Yeah, and I always think about the interplay between payroll and HR. And you know, and I've seen over the last five years, I've seen a number of organizations move to a payroll transformation project somewhere between 12 and 18 months after they had initiated an HR transformation project, right? So maybe they brought in a global HCM, 
And now they were ready to tackle payroll. So over the course of the last five years, I've probably seen that happen three times where they actually went with payroll before HR. But just during this pandemic, we've had three customers we've signed who are actually initiating a payroll transformation and then saying we're going to take a look at maybe a global HR system. I wonder whether you're seeing any of that shift and why you think that might be happening. So I haven't seen a lot of payroll implemented before HR, but I am seeing a lot more of the big bang where they're doing them both at the same time. And that is terrifying. Yes. For organizations that have been through it, um, it is much grander than they expect. It takes a lot more resources and coordination. So you're seeing more companies sign up for that. We're seeing them sign up for it. We're also seeing that maybe they have an existing uh, payroll provider that's in three or four countries. And so what they're trying to do is say, okay, I'm going to add, you know, four or five and six countries, right? Because we're already doing business with them. And so they're doing smaller implementations because they can staff it without hiring. There's still this concern about budget and getting approvals for projects. And I think we're going to continue to see that through the beginning of next year. Um, But yeah, there's been a push to do a lot of the payroll with, with HR. I don't know that they'll stay on that path. Um, as they work through requirements, but there is some initial thought that that's what they want to do. So we are still seeing a continued interest in automation, uh, looking at smart automation and robotic process automation as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Transactional processes are being looked at very much. Um, We're seeing more companies moving more towards analytics and process improvements versus the manual end-to-end transactions. So that's been a very high priority for many organizations. And um, and Kelly, when when you say analytics, we've seen that word used um, actually for for many, many years, often used to refer to actually basic reporting. So now that the conversation's starting to get a little more focused around analytics, can you, maybe for our audience, how do you differentiate? Reporting versus analytics? That's a great question. And, and I would agree. Basic reports really shouldn't be considered analytics. You want dashboards with meaningful metrics that are actionable. And the metrics that you're providing for your organization should really be based on, you know, overtime analysis, productivity analysis, employee experience. We took a look at a basic metric or a report. We're talking about your KPIs. What's your quality? We really need to start looking at the information that we're getting out of payroll, HR, finance, regardless of what part of the organization we are in, Mm -hmm. as more forward-looking than historical-looking. And this is where we start getting into more of the predictive analytics. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's a really great distinction, too. Do you see organizations starting to adopt predictive analytics around their workforce data and their uh, payroll data? Yes, that is definitely a trend that's moving forward. Um, As companies get onto workforce management programs, they can start forecasting better. They can start doing automated scheduling based on true forecasts from their finance teams. Mm -hmm. They can forecast out overtime. They can make real in-the-moment decisions. Uh, based on dashboards and, and metrics. And I think that's the key differentiator is 
do you have the dashboards that you need to give your managers and supervisors the real-time information to make that decision in the moment? A lot of companies aren't there yet, but a lot of companies are trying to get there. And that's where you're going to see a big competitive advantage in the future. And that's not just going to impact your cost per payroll or how efficient or effective your organization is at processing your payroll. Mm -hmm. That's where you make a true business change and you're impacting the overall strategy of your organization. And the conversation I have with a lot of payroll leaders is that's when you start getting the seat at the table. When you can start saving money across your organization, because now you are providing value-added dashboards, not just reports, right? But these value-added dashboards that help people make decisions and they're actionable. And it's it's a constant debate. I, I see it. If you look at the mission statements for most payroll organizations, all of them are in some way claiming that they will make payroll strategic. And I just kind of wonder, where do you sit on that, uh, on that topic? Do you see a pathway towards a more strategic payroll practitioner in an organization? And, and how do we get there beyond just kind of very broadly using the word strategy to mean whatever anyone wants to infer from it? How, how do you see the payroll practitioner and the function actually taking on a strategic value for a company? Right. We do see that a lot. That's a great point. When we talk about payroll strategy, it's not about just saving cost, right? Mm -hmm. It's about what vendors are we going to use? How are we going to have a governance? How are we going to partner with key stakeholders in the organization? And it's not just necessarily a report to HR or a report to finance. It's really sitting down and having those conversations about initiatives that are going to impact the end-to-end organization. And until payroll leaders come to the table and they're really forward-looking, mm-hmm. we can't really say that we have a strategy. So I see that we will do that over time. I think some are making that approach. Um, others may just still be trying to transform their, their payroll department. Yeah, and, and I know we're, uh, we're talking about some of the issues we've we're experiencing in payroll some of the things that COVID's really uh, shown a light on. Have you seen in your conversations organizations that are getting it right that were not necessarily impacted by this that have a global remit and have been able to manage global payroll effectively? There are a few, yes. So I think those that had a business continuity plan and exercised it a couple of times a year, mm-hmm. a year did better with the virtual working. Those that had a payroll strategy or had been working on one where they were minimizing the number of vendors, building their governance model, understood what the business continuity plans of their vendors were, did really, really well. Those who are still working off of paper manuals at their desks, who have very low levels of automation, Mm -hmm. are still doing huge amounts of transactional work struggled. And it really does come down to these weaknesses. You could have one or you could have all seven, um, but they're all going to impact your payroll operation if they're not reviewed and resolved. Uh, You mentioned a new report uh, you guys put out in January about payroll digitization and 
some of the undertakings organizations can take to improve data quality, to improve the way data moves between systems and how that data is then ultimately presented to key stakeholders. I think you mentioned it still holds true today, even though it was written a little bit while ago. Um, what are some lessons that you want to impart on people who, um, who are starting to think about, well, now that we've stabilized payroll, we've gotten a better sense of where our weaknesses are. Where do we start our digitization process? So we did write a paper back in January, and it was entitled Globalized Payroll, Why Now? And it talked about how organizations have struggled throughout the years to really get down to one global payroll provider. And a lot of them threw in the towel. Mm -hmm. It can't be done. Um, And we've seen over the years that most payroll vendors have really stepped up and have done a great job at being able to manage cross borders, uh, great integration products. And and it has become a much better process to get to one or two global vendors. So in the paper, we talk about how, you know, GDPR and global compliance is easier to achieve when you have a vendor partner with existing databases you can automate and upload. Economies of scale allow you to automate, right? We talk about doing RPA. Well, if you've got to do RPA across 20 different systems, that gets pretty pricey. And the processes are not consistent. You've got to monitor them. You've got to make sure that they're low in errors. So the cost to invest when you do a globalization project is actually long-term more beneficial for your organization. It helps you enable this automation that we're talking about, the digitization and the analytics. And so it's really about building that strong global strategy, having strong vendor partners Mm -hmm. and making sure that you know really where you want your organization to go from a structural standpoint uh, over the next two, three years, which is definitely going to change given where we've been with COVID. Yeah, we we had a podcast guest on... um a few months ago, who really studied the tenure of executives that initiate a transformation project within their company. And one of the findings there was really senior executives tend to have a tenure of about four years and transformation projects take about that long. Right. So if you're an executive in an organization today who's thinking about taking on a transformation project and and let's say the tenure is really maybe an indication of when you were too exhausted to carry on and needed a change. How do you take on these projects um, may, and make sure you get through them um, in your tenure there and you don't use up all of your political capital or all of your um, influence within the organization to, to initiate that change? Yeah, I think it's really the speed to start. Right. I think a lot of times at the very beginning, there's not a consensus on, you know, what product you want to use, what you want your landscape to look like. And you spend a lot of time on the vendor analysis and the requirements Mm -hmm. and very little time then on the actual design and implementation. So by the time you get to see the fruits of all your labor, (laughs) you're four years in. And that's really a shame because it's a lost opportunity to really have all these better processes within your your payroll area. So when we're doing, you know, payroll analysis, we're doing a payroll strategy, 
or taking a look at a business case, we typically try to get through those very, very swiftly so we can start making the decisions. I talked earlier about you know, how I get to talk to a lot of companies about their payroll strategies. One of the things I tell a lot of my clients is, come to me when you have a question. Don't, don't sit on it or try to go find out for yourself. Packet has so much IP that we can share with you that helps you make a business decision faster. We can provide you a lot of those IP, the metrics, what are some of the best practices that other organizations are doing. So what I would urge people to do is if you're planning on going through a transformation project, use your resources and make sure that you're getting that information from a centralized source versus trying to do it all on your own. Because time is of the essence and you do not want to waste the first 12 to 18 months trying to determine what your path is. Yeah, I I think a lot of people and organizations go to vendor selection lists way too soon, way too soon before really understanding enough about their own organization. Absolutely. You need to know where you want to go. And if you do that strategy up front, who you select as a vendor could be vastly different. Mm. So, Kelly, I think uh, this has been really insightful. What do you think, what are some new research initiatives that Hackett's engaging in that uh, our audience can uh, look forward to? Oh, thanks for asking. Uh, 2021, we're going to be looking at digital acceleration, a lot more research around the different types of automation through the end-to-end payroll process. We're also going to be doing some additional research around analytics and how to mobilize a labor productivity analytics strategy. Mm. So just really a a lot more along the lines of we've moved digital in 2020. Now, how do we take that to the next level within our payroll teams? That's great. That's great. Well, we'll look forward to that. Um, And you'll find links to uh, relevant Hackett research on our show page. So thank you very much, everyone. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Kelly, again, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. This is David Barak. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Payday Podcast. This is a production of CloudPay and our incredible team that's focused on helping global payroll professionals. To listen to more episodes, look for us wherever you get your podcasts or visit us at cloudpay.net.